You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. Whether ESP, extrasensory perception, exists is debated hotly. Parapsychologists are sure ESP is real. Skeptics are sure it is not. I go beyond the debate. I ask if ESP were true, what would be its implications? Could ESP be explained by physical laws, even by unknown physical laws? Or would ESP need to go beyond, reach into some sort of non-physical realm, plumb the depths of the deep well of the dark unknown? Here's the crux of the matter. Could ESP reveal spirit existence? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. I begin at the University of Maryland with philosopher Stephen Browdy, a serious explorer of strange phenomena. As far as I'm concerned, the field of parapsychology and the realm of the paranormal deal with just a handful of basic phenomena. One would be telepathy, which would be a kind of mind-to-mind -mind interaction. Another would be clairvoyance, which would be the impact of some physical state of affairs on an individual's mental states. Another it may not be different, but another might be considered precognition, which would be the influence of some, uh, the apparent influence of some future state of affairs on some earlier uh, mental state. Another would be psychokinesis, or roughly mind over matter, and finally there would be uh, survival of bodily death. Let's talk a little bit about your confidence as a reasonably intelligent individual uh, in the reality of any of these categories that go beyond the senses. I personally believe that there are some apparently paranormal phenomena that are genuinely paranormal that can't be explained away in any sort of familiar terms uh, th that science has proposed up till now. What, what are the different ways that people use to possibly explain it? Some people think you can explain paranormal phenomena, assuming they're genuine, in more or less conventional uh, scientific terms by some extension of uh, contemporary physics. Others would say that we need to revert to some radical, non-physical realm in order to explain all of them. I steer a kind of middle course there. Um, I would say if the evidence for survival of bodily death is concerned, standard physical explanations uh, could go out the window. But as far as ordinary, you know, ordinary ESP and psychokinesis are concerned, the picture is a little more complicated. Now let's suppose that psychokinetically we can produce things as in poltergeist cases in terms of somebody's anger or emotional distress. There's a psychological component to the phenomenon which I would say cannot be reduced to any sort of conventional physical explanation. But there may nevertheless be some component 
of the phenomenon of PK psychokinesis or poltergeist phenomena or of ESP that would involve some extension of present-day science as we know it to account for that part of the phenomenon. But that doesn't have to posit some existence of spirits and worlds no. beyond this one. No, it doesn't. The key point, I think, is that on the kind of view that I would push for, we need to understand that human beings are, generally speaking, more remarkable creatures than we like to give them credit for, that we have within us a capacity for a range of performances, psychic and non-psychic, that most people, or many people at least, aren't willing to countenance. Stephen has no doubt that ESP is real. The product, he says, of psychology and psychic powers, which can never be explained by physical laws alone. So does our human essence exceed our physicality? What do parapsychologists think? To find out, I go to the hills of San Francisco, to the Institute of Noetic Sciences, a center for the study of the paranormal. I meet Noetic president, Marilyn Schlitz, anthropologist, parapsychologist, vibrant spirit. I ask Marilyn if parapsychology, about which I am still skeptical, can help bridge science and philosophy, even science and religion. Well, I think that um, there are sort of two different ways of holding reality. And one is the scientific emphasis on the physical, and the other is the religious emphasis on the, the metaphysical or the intangible. And one is an empirically based and one is a, a faith-based tradition. Parapsychology, in some ways, bridges those. Uh, the data from Psy research suggests that there are aspects of our consciousness that can't simply be reduced to the physical dimensions of our brain, for example. Um, and yet, they're trying to bring this lens of rigor and discernment that mm -hmm. comes from science to address these kinds of more religious-based questions. Is there something more to our essence than just our physicality? Uh, so I think that most you know, rep representatives of the parapsychological community, so would, wouldn't stake a claim one way or another, would actually uh, suggest that the important question is our ability to ask the question. What, what inhibits our culture from allowing us to ask the questions that parapsychologists want about how can science reveal some truths about these immaterial aspects of our being? But in terms of your, your inner dynamics when you talk among each other, what are the internal feelings among parapsychologists? Does it show the existence of, of some non-physical realm? I think what's being revealed through these kinds of inquiries where, you know, science and the objective pursuit of truth comes together with the kind of more faith-based spiritual aspects is um, a deeper understanding of the complexities. This interface of these different truth systems is going to force a new way of understanding reality. And it's going to force both science to accommodate some of these intangibles. And it's going to, it's going to force some of the faith communities to engage in things like evolutionary theory mm -hmm. and, and genetics. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I think there, are, there will be new answers to these age-old questions about, you know, are we 
our biology, are we our you know, metaphysics, or are we a combination of both that has incarnated at a very unique moment in history? Take some specific examples which at least historically have had a, uh, a spiritual personality involved, such as poltergeist, uh, such as uh, mediums. All of these historically at least have claimed to be either caused by or in touch with a non-physical personality. So oftentimes what happens when somebody talks about a poltergeist, you know, these kind of noisy spirits that cause random things to happen in a house, uh, the impulse within the parapsychological community is to go psychological. So for example, <clears throat> it's often associated with a pubescent, you know, adolescent who uh, has all these kind of hormones and complexities going on interpsychically. And they pre get projected? That's the idea, that it's actually a psychokinetic mm -hmm. mind over matter mm -hmm. influence mm -hmm. that's creating changes in the ambient mm -hmm. environment. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't really require that there be demonic forces out there mm -hmm. acting these things out. Mm -hmm. uh, but that would be the worldview of the parapsychologist. That would be different than somebody who's coming from you know, a spiritualist uh, worldview. In terms of this whole question of mediumship, for example, uh, there are some very interesting data now converging from different lines that support the idea that perhaps consciousness survives bodily death. But ultimately, in terms of where the, the schism rests, I think that the data still are not completely in about what is the, the support that Psy Research offers to the notion that our consciousness is more than the physical. In explaining ESP, Marilyn seeks harmony, integrating scientific and faith tradition worldviews. I respect Marilyn, but honestly, I shun such harmony. While I applaud the motivation, I reject the compromise. When assessing extraordinary phenomena, theories or beliefs, truth must not be sacrificed on the altar of togetherness. Sometimes each of the extremes is better than what lies between. If ESP were real, I'd seek radical explanations. That's why I should meet ESP researcher Dean Radin, a past president of the Parapsychological Association who offers fresh thinking. Dean, some would use the putative existence of ESP as demonstration of the reality of a spiritual world. They take the anecdotal or scientific data that you and your colleagues have, have, have uh, developed and use it to defend the existence of a spirit world. Is that a legitimate extrapolation? I think it's useful to look at where the modern uh, experimental study of ESP came from. It came from people who were trying to study whether mediums were talking to dead people. So, I mean, that, it, it came out of a tradition where people assumed that there was some kind of a spiritual world. So, after people studied mediums for a while, they realized that the vertical information that a medium would sometimes get, now they claimed it would come from a dead person, but where did it really come from? So the study of telepathy started as a, a way of, in the laboratory, seeing whether a medium was able to get information out of somebody's head. And, and actually then the, within the, the, the field of parapsychology, there was kind of a split. Most of it went in the direction of experimental laboratory work. 
to look at the basic phenomena, to, to look at clairvoyance and telepathy and all the rest of it. And, and a, a, a shoot, a subshoot of it, continued looking at mediumship in more and more refined and sophisticated ways to see if through very complicated designs you can get evidence for some kind of independent entity. Now some would claim today that the designs have improved so much and the, the historical evidence of mediumship basically proves that there is some kind of independent entity. My take on the, that evidence is not so strong. I see it as really good evidence for ESP. There's some kind of information transfer, but it is not clear to me that it is coming from dead people. From what I can tell, it's coming from living people, but just through many different channels. It may not be in anybody's mind in the present, but maybe it's in their mind in the past, somebody's mind. Maybe it's through clairvoyance that you get the right answer. So as soon as you open the possibility that you just, it's not just mind to mind, but it's mind to who knows where, then the possibility of getting information that will match suddenly goes up. Well, and also the, the, then the, the, the likelihood of coming up with a definitive explanation of what it is goes down because you're, you're really unable ever, it would seem, to say that there really is some disembodied spirit. You can not say that because that information could come from all sorts of different ways. I, I know the, the ESP literature pretty well. I know the mediumship literature reasonably well. And in my evaluation of both branches, I, I, I fully accept that there's information transferring in some strange way, that mediums can do that. But I see them more as a specialized type of psychic, you know, doing things with living people. Uh, and I'm not completely convinced personally that the survivor issue is solved. So uh, how, how then do you look at ESP as, 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 as a potential window on a, another kind of level of, of, of existence? Well, what it does is it, it creates a plausibility argument. The, the plausibility argument is based on the idea that if you think you're locked inside here, then the only information that can get in there is coming through here and so on. But, but if there's other ways of getting information, then perhaps mind is distributed. In which case, maybe you don't really need all of the full body stuff in order to inhabit it. In other words, you don't need the, the, to be embodied in order to have some kind of awareness, perhaps. Which would give you a possibility of survival beyond bodily death. Right. It may not involve survival of your personality, because it may well be that your personality is locked in memory in your brain. But if it turns out that memory is not just locked in your brain, but exists in some other form as well, then yes, maybe you as a personality, the person you think of as yourself, might persist in some way. Dean is 100% sure that ESP is real, and that mediums, in some cases, possess information of a non-natural kind. But as for medium's claim of contact with the dead, Dean isn't ready to concur. I like Dean's skepticism here. But as for my brain, all this ESP has addled it up. I need a skeptic, and physicist Robert Park is one of my favorites. Bob's clever and tough, and not always so polite. The argument from parapsychology, ESP, all this enormous flutter of phenomena is that these things 
demonstrate the existence of a non-physical world. Is that good evidence? I, I don't know of any evidence. Uh, the, there's no evidence that I can see. The experiments that are done, well, as, as an example, take psychokinesis, the idea that my mind can control events. It's awfully easy to fool yourself into thinking that you're influencing of events. But if you look at the studies that are done, the stuff that is published as science, most scientists scoff at this because it's all based on bad statistics, misuse of statistics. Um, there, there's never a straightforward experiment in psychokinesis. One of the most sensitive experiments that we have is the microbalance. We can measure very, very tiny masses with a, with a microbalance. And now, why don't I, if I want to prove that my mind has an effect, why don't I just tell that balance to tilt? It's incredibly sensitive. Then I could quantify just how, how strong my mental effort. Don't do that. Uh, instead, for example, they, uh, they concentrate on a water fountain on making some of the drops go higher than the others. Which has to be measured statistically. This has to question. be measured statistically, and you stick all this in the computer and analyze it. Now, I can get any result I want by when I start and when I stop. When you select the data, the interval of the data. I, I select the interval. Well, it's baloney. Uh, well, some people would argue that the nature of parapsychology is such that it, it only works on certain kinds of phenomena because it is not a physical thing. So the fact that we can't tip a microbalance is maybe a more physical kind of concept. You know, you, you can make up the rules as you go along, <laughs> it, uh, and, and they do. There's tons of this stuff, but it never leads to anything. One of the warning signs of bad science is that it never gets any better. Mm. So we've been, they've been doing parapsychology experiments for over a hundred years. Never has there been a verifiable effect of a... a, a the, the claim is that they, they have. It hasn't gotten a bit better. We're right where we were. We haven't found any way to, make, to increase the effect. They can never turn up the volume they can never intercept more of the signal. It works as well across the globe yes. as it does when you're talking right in a person's ear. Well, and they use that to show that therefore it is not a physical uh, a phenomena that relates to the space-time continuum. Well, what they're showing is that it's nonsense. That's all they're showing. Bob is correct. No matter how many experiments are conducted, the ESP effect never gets better. That's why most scientists dismiss ESP as pseudoscience. But should we assess anomalous events by traditional scientific standards of controlled repeatability? It's time to visit Charles Tart, a pioneer of parapsychology research and a vigorous champion of ESP. Say this for Charlie, 
When voicing provocative ideas, he has no fear. Charlie, I know that you take certain kinds of data from parapsychology to strongly indicate the existence of non-physical things. What populates the non-physical world? At one level, many people who have had experiences of psychic things have said that the psychic world is a malleable world. It's a world that can be influenced by thought. So in a sense, what you believe actually creates something that is more solid, quote unquote, in a way, than simply imagining it in an ordinary territory. I mean, suppose we do survive death, and you know you've died, and you regain consciousness, and there's something around you. You're very likely to interpret that in terms of your previous religious beliefs, which may in turn have some molding effect on what's actually there. So for example, in near-death experiences, it's fairly common for people to meet, to use the most neutral terms now, a being of light, a being that's obviously independent of you and intelligent and loving and that glows in some sense, that radiates light. Now, if you're a devout Christian, you're liable to say, I met Jesus. If you're a Buddhist, you're liable to say, I met the Buddha Maitreya or something like that. If you're an atheist, this always poses a great problem to atheists because they don't expect to meet anybody. So they usually fall back into the kind of anthropological mode. I met a being of light. Just, just stick with the description. The degree to which these might exist independently of you and the degree to which the form is determined by what you believe, I think to some extent at least we can investigate that. What about the common religious uh, expectation over human history of things like angels or demons or spirit worlds intertwined together? Uh, there's obviously great interest in that among general populace uh, for as long as human beings have been around. And a great avoidance of the very possibility among scientists who want a nice orderly universe. Sure. Because not only does this seem like superstitions from another age, but suppose these angels are smarter than us. I don't like that idea. I think most scientists don't like that idea. But I do think that if we're going to be open-minded and genuinely scientific, we have to be open to the possibility that there might be other kinds of creatures that are smarter than us or that are different from us in fundamentally kinds of ways. But try to establish that empirically, not just imagine it or accept it simply because it's been part of a belief. Well, in that case, that would make those um, experience and that data suspect because if it's molded by our culture, what we see and what we do, that would indicate uh, that you're not uh, apprehending some ultimate reality. Suspect in the same way that ordinary experiences suspect, yes. So the answer to that is to stop arrogantly assuming that we're just objective observers who take in the ultimate truth about things and realize we bring our biases to whatever we investigate, and that means try to find out what those biases are and compensate for them. I want to get back to the, the angels and demons and these the, the population of spirits. That... You're not going to let me slip off of that, <laughs> are you? It's so rampant a, a belief does that, is there any data that you can point to or it's just part of human superstition? 
you can tell I'm not particularly comfortable with demons, okay, <laughs> or angels. I, I'm all for angels, but we got enough trouble without adding <laughs> demons to it. Again, if you get independent descriptions by people whose biases are not inclined to, to aim them that way, get the characteristics of things, then you can begin to do something about them. I'm, I'm not terribly happy with this answer, but that's good. I mean, you know, I'm supposed to be expert on this stuff, but it illustrates the, the limitations of our knowledge at this point. But we have to try. Most people believe ESP is true, but public opinion exerts little weight on the impartial scales of truth. Fact, after a century of scientific research, ESP results remain, at best, very weak. I'm disappointed and must conclude as follows. Either ESP does not exist or the fathomless nature of ESP cannot be measured by traditional science. In other words, if ESP is real, a big if, it could never be explained by science as we know it. Only three possibilities would remain. One, an unknown wild kind of physics. Two, a mentality or a consciousness that somehow transcends the physical brain. Or three, a non-physical reality. The default position must continue to be that ESP does not exist, because extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Still, because ESP could be a window, however foggy, into other realms of existence, Exploring ESP brings us closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and meaning, visit our website closer to truth.com.